The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. <laughs> Gay people love cons. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Oh, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches read Harry Potter. Oh boy, it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapter 16, Trelawney's Prediction. In which it is exam time. Everyone's fucking stressed, but especially our overachieving queen, Hermione. Buckbeak's appeal is right after exams, and like the U.S. justice system, they have already decided that Buckbeak is guilty. On the last day of exams, Fudge shows up as a witness for the sham of an appeal, much to Ron's shock. Hashtag what radicalized you. Harry's last exam is divinations, and to his surprise, Trelawney gives him an official true prediction of Voldemort's return to power aided by his quote-unquote most loyal servant. Trelawney, coming out of her magical fugue state, does not believe him. Harry runs to tell the gang, but they have news too. Buckbeak has lost the appeal, duh, and will be executed at sunset. The kids decide to sneak down to Hagrid's cabin anyway with the invisibility snuggie. Our dear sweet Hagrid is in shock, and the gang tries to console her. Shockingly, Hermione finds scabbards in Hagrid's cupboard, but there is no time to process this, as it is time... For the execution. Hagrid kicks the kids out and they are trying to get away from this tragedy, but Scabbers is fighting Ron, so they are all around when they hear the unmistakable sound of an axe. Dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. All right, and to discuss this uh, very intense chapter, we have a special guest in the studio with us. Fucking Theo Julian Forrester. I don't know how it took Woo-hoo! so long to get you on the show, but welcome. To the Gaily Prophet. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I forgot to ask you to give me a bio that I would normally read, so I'm going to ask you to introduce your own self. Hello, everyone. I'm Theo Julian Forrester, distinguished Gavenclaw. Uh, by day, I am a mental health provider, and by night, I am a Netflix binger and artist. Perhaps you've seen some of my comics on thegatelyprophet.com. <laughs> Perhaps. Or a particular rainbow delivery owl gracing your computer screen <laughs> from time to time. That's also Theo's work. Yeah. For people who aren't our patrons, you can now put a voice to a name that you hear at the end of literally every episode of our podcast. It's me. <laughs> I'm very excited that you're here. Me too. So uh, we already... You're a distinguished Gavenclaw, but tell us about your relationship to your Ravenclawiness, the rarest of house assignments. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, 
I didn't quite believe it when I got sorted into Ravenclaw, but it happened multiple times, so I must take it at truth. But I feel like there's some very strong secondary house coming from Hufflepuff for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm nerdy. I like nerdy things. <laughs> I feel like that about sums it up for me. Uh, y'all can't y'all can't see it because this is a podcast. But Theo has an excellent collection of Funko Pop figurines uh, behind him, and I definitely recognize Dobby. And I think that's the only one I can see from here. I can recognize I see from a this werewolf, and I think is that Luna. I've got Luna in the lion hat from Quidditch, um, McGonagall, Dobby, Trelawney, and Hermione as a cat. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Hermione's fursona. <laughs> Is it Buffy on the next shelf over? Yeah, they, they kind of get a little bit out of that Giles. I've got some Avengers. I've got some Dark Willow action. You know, all, all the necessaries. Of course. <laughs> all right. Um, and so now please tell us about your Patronus and how it relates to your most deeply held identities. Okay. Well, my Patronus is a rhino. Um, I'm trying to think. It's It was when I was in grad school. I used to have these crippling anxiety nightmares where it was like a rhino was sitting on my chest all the time. And I was like, buddy, why do you hate me so much? Please stop plaguing my <laughs> dreams. But then I was in like a studio class. Um, so I was going for art therapy. And so I did a lot of dialoguing and art making around it and just kind of was like, oh no, Rhino's here to guide me, help me out, be my grounding force. So I ended up doing this pretty intense drawing of a a Rhino being very pensive and just kind of became like my little mascot through grad school and ended up tattooing it on my thigh. So (laughs) there we go. I love everything about that. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Cool. Great. We haven't recorded an episode, y'all, a real, like, a chapter episode since May. So we're rusty. Forgive us if we keep trying to record Escape from Reality instead of this podcast, because I don't know what the fuck's going on here anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, May was, like, an eon ago. It's like... Yeah, there's been, like, six additional marches since May, I think. Exactly. I saw a thing that referred to this month as Hot March 2. And I was like, that's accurate. That's exactly the month that we're in. Yeah. Also, just for our listeners, we're going to have guests on our episodes for the foreseeable future because we're mad about Harry Potter and we're bringing in some fresh energy to uh, stop me and Jesse from just hate spiraling. (laughs) 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 So, I'm so happy to be one yes. of the, the first back. Either way, what I do know is that we start this episode off with today's headlines. Hogwarts students stage walkout to protest untenable exam schedule, citing numerous studies showing the detrimental effects of elevated stress caused by finals week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> the angriest education section this week. It's going to be a great time. Oh my god. This is my first front page. Oh really? All right. Well, let's let's hop over to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of the newspaper. I guess part of it is just like, do these kids not know they can study outside? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry that you were taking a drink when I said that. I just... 
that's an excellent question. And I mean, so y'all know I live in the I live in the Midwest. So when I was in college, the minute that like it wasn't the winter, we would immediately go outside with a blanket and our books and our computers and like sort of work, but mostly just hang out in the sun. But like also still read whatever our textbook was or whatever the fuck book I was writing a 10 page paper about. And it's like, it's okay to study outside. It feels great. (laughs) Why are these kids inside this like hot castle? (laughs) I don't know. I agree with you, Jesse. I had a wall that looked over like the main like quad area of campus. And I just used to post up there and it was so great. And the only way I got any semblance of studying done my entire four years in school. I'm yeah, also with you 100%. I've done many an outdoor study. I think that it's so much, it's so helpful because like the added stress of like, I wish I was outside is just not necessary. And then you're getting all that necessary vitamin D after a long, dark winter. Like just, you know, school's almost over. And so it makes it especially sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know what these kids are doing. I felt very caught up too with all the descriptions of it being stifling and baking hot and there was sunburn <laughs> happening. And I was like, it's June in like presumably England somewhere. Is it really that hot? I don't know. What a good question. I didn't think it gets super hot and sunny in the Scotlands. Maybe it's uh, the effects of global warming. Isn't there another, I don't remember which book it is, but it's like a freak heat wave in the summer. And, like, Harry's, like, out doing gardening work when he's with the Dursleys or something, so... Oh, that's right. But also, it was the 90s. It wasn't as bad. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. Maybe it was an El Nino, an El Nino year. Oh, true. Either way, though, I'm surprised <laughs> they don't have any, like, AC charms going on yet. Like, where is that? Get with the times, kids. All right. My first front page is that Harry battles a bogart at the at his uh defense final presumably he's not using the patronus charm he's using ridiculous and i need to know how he made the dementor funny like how dare they not give us that information of how harry is using this charm on a dementor that literally didn't occur to me didn't to me either because it's like the first time that he probably successfully nailed it if he aced it right exactly sure how would you all do that i believe in a previous episode we uh proposed replacing its head with a a mood stabilizer oh yes (laughs) (laughs) uh but i don't think harry would have thought of that so i feel like my initial reaction is to think that changing the dementor's robe from like black to like the most hideous couch upholstery you've ever seen in your life (laughs) Uh, okay i don't know how i would do it the first thing that pops in my mind is some kind of clown outfit but clowns are terrifying in their own right so (laughs) clowns are so (laughs) terrifying i was thinking more like the clothing (laughs) would would be nice not so much the face that's fair Back when I played one of the Harry Potter phone mobile games, there was a bit with with uh, Bogarts that turned into Voldemort, and then the, and so the character turned them into like dancing clowns, which was so much more horrifying. Oh and my then, god! And then there's a character in game who's like that. That is the most terrifying thing. Like wh- why? <laughs> How? And I'm like yes. Why? How? 
This is literally horrifying. <laughs> I wish I would have gotten a screenshot of it, but I'm like, ugh. Yeah, don't want to. This is all very timely. I just watched a two-parter episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures last night where the bad guy is a clown from space. A very scary clown from space. Just nope. why? It fed off of fear. That's how scary it was. So it was a literal dementor. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a clown dementor. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Theo, what do you have first here? Well, I feel like you two have ruined me with all the weird sexual innuendo in all of these books that we read. Yes. <laughs> My work here is done. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the description of... The executioner, the black mustache man, was fingering something in his belt. What was he fingering, y'all? I don't want to know. It was his axe <laughs> blade, but that also caught me off guard both times that I read the chapter. <laughs> I'm now just imagining with like the most 70s porn mustache, like a dude you would definitely see at like a leather bar is what I'm imagining exactly. him looking like now. Yeah, it also describes him as strapping and I was like... Is that like a hot description? But I looked it up and it kind of just means like tall and broad, but I still feel like it's described, used in terms of like implying attractiveness. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think strapping is like a neutral way to describe someone. Yeah. You like use it to describe like a suitor, a strapping young lad coming to call upon your daughter. Yeah. Or a hot bear at a leather bar. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Also that. Yeah, and there's also definitely, even if he is fingering his axe blade, something deeply sensual about just, like, running your finger along a fucking blade while, like, making eye contact with someone. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, boy, calm down. That is some, that's some serious, <laughs> weird sexual energy, right? There. Not to mention, it's like, the whole purpose here is to decapitate an animal. Please stop. Yeah, but dude gets off on that. He like, oh, yeah, he totally does. Um, I actually want to dovetail off of this which is okay so you're an ex-death eater and you're trying to like keep a low profile so you take a job as a like executioner at animal control (laughs) where you're like you know have a really relationship with your axe it's like dude (laughs) could you be any less subtle he was hiding behind the mustache (laughs) Maybe he's like hiding in plain sight and he's like, they just accused me of being a death eater because I'm like obsessed with death and blood and stuff. Stop stereotyping me. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Harry gets Ron high as fuck in their charms (laughs) exam. (laughs) Which I just love so much. I'm so sad he didn't get excused from doing it. I mean, I know he got like a good long break but i love that there's no like counter charm like it's like real being high where you just have to like wait it out you're like go lay down just pray for it to stop oh my god <laughs> i feel like your body would hurt after an hour of like laughter though oh yeah that sounds sure. like, very painful it does for sure at least your face that's often the case for me when we get done recording our podcast so I just feel like I was, like, imagining him off in a room having, like, a running monologue to himself that was just like, <laughs> what? What exactly were you saying? 
I'm still cracking up the entire time. <laughs> Would have been some real gems if you could be in there. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Excellent. Mm-hmm. Alright, Theo, it's your turn. Again, I'm still on the sexual innuendo train. I was curious about your opinions on Percy and his relationship with Penelope right now when he's increasingly edgy and doling out very severe punishments. Do you think that carries through to the bedroom? What's happening? Tell me more. I think that his time with Penelope is like his only release from what's happening. Super wound up type A people who are also bottoms. Definitely. It's like, oh my God, please just dominate me. (laughs) Like, Don't let me think about anything or have any control over anything for the next however long for the love of God. So I think he's like really extra dependent on Penelope right now for relaxation. But I think that, so I also had this on my front page, is that I think that if Penelope is also just as caught up in her newts, that she's probably like, we, we can, you can get to me after exam. So he's probably like extra wound up because it's like, Ooh. it's been a while. Because they're both just like cramming extra hard for their newts. That does bring new meanings to being edgy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say though I kind of get like James and Sirius vibes off of Penelope which might be like solely based on the Penelope that we've arbitrarily constructed in this podcast but like I kind of get the feeling off of her that she's like I don't like I paid attention all semester. I don't need to cram. I learned the material. And so she might be like fine right <laughs> now, you know? And is like, yeah, I'm going to like read through my notes, but like I'm going to ace these exams. So she's just torturing Percy just for fun. Or he's like, no, I have to study. I won't. And she's like, you need to get your ass to the dungeons <laughs> right now. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. <laughs> this is how this is how Percy didn't realize that Ron was gone until like the next day. <laughs> He's like, what something happened to my brother? What? Yeah. <laughs> um so I don't know if this is just my the illegally downloaded copy of this book I got off like Pirate Bay. Hello Winnie. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, so many things to say. My book says that the Bogart at the end of the practical exam is in a trunk and they're crawling into a trunk. But in my brain, That's I'm like, accurate. no, they're in a wardrobe, which doesn't have any less room, but seems much more normal sounding than like climbing into like some giant trunk with a Bogart. Maybe it's foreshadowing for the next book. And it's a magically expanded trunk. Yeah, that was the, the mm. vibe I went with was like the Mad Eye Mooney trunk. Mm-hmm. Uh. Makes sense. Hopefully not as bottomless, because that would be extra terrifying <laughs> to yeah. be really, really hopefully, far down there. Hopefully there's like a staircase or something. Yeah, no, that's a good good spot, though. I didn't even catch that. I was like, sure, go in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> why not? <laughs> <sighs> Stranger uh, things have happened, so why would this, you question this, that? <laughs> Truly. This, this is true. All right, so Harry is like... 
Oh, yeah, the invisibility cloak's just hanging out in a statue because I didn't want to get caught getting it. And Hermione's like, I'll just go fucking get it. Because she knows how to not be suspicious. <laughs> it's yep. like, you should have just fucking asked her to do it in the first place, dude. Like, weeks ago. I did love that moment, though. <laughs> I'll just take care of it myself. <laughs> and Ron is like, whoa. And she's like, Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, Hermione, get it. You're doing a great job. Yes, I feel like we're turning the corner with the Ron digging Hermione's energy. <laughs> yep. All right. So the end of my front page, we get into some like not light stuff, but just stuff that doesn't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, we're not quite there yet. I have one more that's still light. Why does Hagrid keep milk in the cupboard? And more to the point, how does refrigeration work in this world? Oh. Is it true if it's, like, not pasteurized, it can stay out? Like, when it's, like, fresh from a cow. It'll turn into buttermilk and then, like, curds. You can leave out cheese at room temperature, but, like, not milk. It'll it'll go. I guess I maybe just also assumed that it was, if it was, like, from, like, literally that day, that, like, Hagrid probably just drinks two jugs of milk a day or something or maybe she's making cheese like i don't know but it definitely doesn't seem like it's refrigerated so so i guess the thing that made me feel like it had been in there for a while is the fact that scabbers is in there and the milk is gone i here's what's up is that (laughs) i don't understand what's happening what is scabbers doing and what is supposed to be like a new unopened thing of milk not drowned no milk in there because Hermione just upends it over the table. There's only a rat in there. Like, what the fuck is happening? How long has he been in there? What's going on? Answer I, my question. I feel like this could be a corrections because, yes, like, this is... Like, it wouldn't make sense if it was any other liquid, but, yeah, like, if it's raw milk... But was he just in there, like, swimming forever I, in some... Like, there's... Wait, I thought he was behind... Go? I thought he was... I thought Scabbers is behind the milk, not in the milk. No, she turns the jug over... And he falls like, out of the thing. Why couldn't he have just been in the cupboard? J.K. Rowling. Like, what the fuck? Why did you put the rat in what was supposed to be a full container of milk? I'm so angry about this. It doesn't make any sense. Yes, this 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 doesn't make any sense. I think it's also part of a, for me, a bigger thing doesn't make any sense, which is besides plot reasons, why the fuck is he even hiding in Hagrid's cupboard in the first place? That is the uh, that I was like looking at my notes and I was like maybe I should put that in editorials but that is my next note on this is like why didn't he just he ran away from Ron why didn't he already go to find Voldemort why is he still at Hogwarts this doesn't make any sense even a tiny teeny little bit of sense he really did legitimately get trapped in that jug and couldn't (laughs) (laughs) oh like i'm also just still confused and i'm sorry if you guys have talked about this before but how does transfiguration work like so you're an animagi and you're in a jug can you go human and bust out of this jug or are you just stuck yes because hermione has to place an unbreakable charm on the jar that she traps mm-hmm. rita skeeter in to stop her from doing that which begs the question of what would have happened if rita had tried to transform 
inside the unbreakable mm-hmm. jar because I think it would have been real gross. Yeah, no, that sounds like some gross <laughs> body horror shit right there. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just now imagining whatever book it is you learn how to be an animagi must come with the most terrifying <laughs> images of what happens if you fuck up. Not for the same part. Truly. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Uh, what do you have next, Jesse? Uh, I just have one more, which is... Like, the gang gets the invisibility cloak, and they're sneaking out, and they just walk right the fuck out of the front door of the Great Hall. And there's, like, security trolls, and there's all this stuff, and there's no one guarding the fucking front door of the castle? Don't worry, the front doors are trained to recognize a picture of Sirius (laughs) 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 Anyway, that was was all just like, wait, what? fucking waltz right <sighs> an excellent question all right so last thing in the front page one of the biggest things in the chapter just doesn't go anywhere else let's trelawney makes a real prediction our first interaction with a real prediction it's a big deal yeah i don't know what do we want to say about the prediction i find it interesting and a little bit troubling that when we see this like sort of quote unquote official actual prediction, even though Trelawney's been predicting a lot of things accurately this entire year, she like doesn't seem to know it. It's like she, it's like when Harry hears the prediction, it's like Trelawney has checked out and like something else is telling Harry the prediction. And because he's like, oh fuck, she's having a seizure. Like the fuck do I do? No one's taught first aid at Hogwarts, so you know. And It actually, and like, so I feel this, like, that's sort of troubling, but it also made me, give me a more troubling thought that Trelawney probably has no idea that she gave Dumbledore a prediction about Harry and Voldemort, because he never fucking told her. Yeah, she doesn't know. That's fucked up. Could you imagine just walking around being like, oh, cool, yeah, I'm really good at tarot and, like, reading, like, tea leaves and, like, you know, whatever, the rest of my skills, but you could, like, are giving real-ass predictions that you have no idea what's going on? Oh, no. Yeah, it's very disturbing. Can I, so do you, either of you know, so like the, that's sort of how like the oracles worked in Greek mythology is that they were like, the oracle was like a spirit that would like use a human body. Um, but I feel like they remembered the predictions that they made. Right? Is that accurate or not? I'm not remembering. Yeah, I don't remember either. Hmm. Because I feel like that's, like, sort of the gist of what's happening here, is that it's, like, a oracle-type situation where she's being, like, taken over by, I don't know, Apollo's predictor spirit. Yeah, I just kept thinking, like, <laughs> serious possession vibes, like, just how different her voice sounds and her eyes roll back in her head, and I was just like, wow, that would be terrifying to witness. And you're right, especially that she has no recollection of that at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, she's like, oops, I fell asleep. That My bad. And Harry's like, wait, what? No. I'm assuming yep. it's just some kind of, like, brain trauma protecting thing. Yeah, maybe. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So this prediction says that Voldemort's servant has been in chains these 12 years. And it refers repeatedly to his most loyal servant. And I'm pretty sure that that's supposed to be Barty Crouch, right? See, I thought it was uh, Peter Pettigrew. 
but in the next book isn't it like there's the all these like his most loyal servant things and then at the end it's like you thought it was Pettigrew fuck that it's me type of situation because like Pettigrew hasn't been in chains although I guess no Crouch has been more or less like chained to Winky and under an imperious curse which the ethics of that Jesus I guess I kind of took it as like metaphorical chains like he was supposed to be dead so he kind of really couldn't go back out into the world and do his thing so he kind of was like stuck being like this pet rat just waiting for some sign of his master to come back along so that he could take action because yeah yeah, it does mention that like you know coming back like tonight it's happening tonight that his most loyal servant comes back to him but like Pettigrew is arguably not his most loyal servant but like obviously he's the only one who like goes back to Voldemort tonight so he's definitely his most efficient servant because everyone else is just fucking chilling that's true (laughs) Uh, accurate. Yeah. Would you like to go rant about the education provided at Hogwarts School for Witchcraft and Wizardry? We sure can. Great. Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. I'm so mad, but let's keep the order... Jesse, please start. <laughs> per usual, Lupin shows himself to be the only good teacher in which there is an actual useful practical exam mm-hmm. that also accounts for the confusing lack of temperature control at Hogwarts. Wait, what? Because he's like outside in like in. Oh, oh, oh. Gotcha. Yep. Lupin's exam is fantastic. Yeah. What a great way to get students to demonstrate their knowledge of the cumulative things they've learned that year. In a like setting that they would actually maybe even account in real life. Yep. All right. Look, their astronomy exam <sighs> is at midnight. <laughs> it is at midnight. And then the next morning... At 9 a.m., they have their, not just an exam, which would be terrible, but it's their history of fucking magic exam. The most boring class with probably the most boring, just like short answer essay question fucking exam or worse, multiple choice where you're just like pairing the goblin with the terrible deed. (laughs) Like, fuck this so hard i'm so there are so many all caps notes i'm so angry yeah that was definitely one of my top things in education like please let them sleep i just i i don't know how they ever make it through i would be so so mad at this and i'm curious too like what do you think the length of these finals are is it like a 50 minute class period is it like how long do they go on for they have one per morning and one per afternoon. Yeah, so it's nine in the morning and like one in the afternoon right after lunch. So so arguably it could be like a three-hour exam. <laughs> oh, it sure God. could. Yeah, it probably depends on the professor. Like, it shouldn't take an hour to turn a teapot into a tortoise, 
but like maybe some kids like Neville might need the whole hour. Right. But I guess I also sort of was thinking that like most of the teachers were setting like a written exam and a practical exam. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. It also seems like several of the teachers or I don't know, maybe just Trelawney seems like sets it up in like a one on one basis. So you almost might be waiting around for a portion of it. Because even even with the transformation or transfiguration, like how I don't know, how do you not cheat for a class like that? Like, I imagine you're in pretty close quarters. Can you not hear what other people are doing? I, I don't know. That or just the stress of everyone talking and trying so hard all at the same time would completely shut me down, even if I knew what I was doing. I would just be like, overload, <laughs> cannot compute. That's, yeah. so, that's so true. <laughs> A lot of them must be like either one-on-one or in the case of maybe charms, like in a pair. Right. I also I was actually really bothered by the fact that uh, Harry and Ron were like partnered in charms, and so like Harry had to like cast the spell on Ron, and then like I guess Ron was gonna do it back, but it's like Harry's all nervous, which is why he overdoes it. But then he's gonna like give Ron a cheering charm, who then has like a huge edge over Harry on like doing well in the fucking exam because he's like feeling great, right? I was like, that's, that doesn't make sense. You should all be casting your charms on, like, I don't know, a proxy or something. Right. All the tortoises that you made earlier in Transfiguration. They probably need some cheering. <laughs> Happy little turtles. <laughs> uh, if the turtle starts eating tons of fucking crickets then you've done a good job on your cheers. This is charm. true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. uh, Theo, what do you have? Um, let's see. I kind of am curious, and I didn't know if I should put this in the health and science or not, but I'm, I'm mostly curious, how does Trelawney grade a divination's exam when we've established in the past? Isn't it kind of something you either have or you don't have? Unfairly. <laughs> That's oh, the yeah, answer. Definitely. She straight up says to Harry that she's disappointed in him. <laughs> Fuck that. She couldn't even wait to put it in his in his like final grade. She just does it right there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, I hate everything about that fucking class. Alright. Let's chat for a second. Because they make it seem like, oh, Hermione taking too many classes. Her exam schedule doesn't make any sense. Hermione's exam schedule doesn't make any sense, even if she was taking the proper number of classes, because there is an elective and a requirement at the same time for most of these spots. It just happens that Harry and Ron's electives aren't overlapping with a required class. But like, if Hermione's choosing two electives, she could have chosen Muggle Studies and Arithmancy, or no, Muggle Studies doesn't overlap. Arithmancy and Runes, which still would have been at the same time as Transfiguration and Charms. Huh. Which is maybe a correction. But I'm choosing to say, yeah, Hogwarts really did that. And then it's like, what was your plan, Hogwarts? How, what happened to the rest of her classmates who are taking those classes? The only thing I could think could be maybe, well... Is it possible that they would have multiple assigned times? Like, it wouldn't be 
everyone in that class all at one time. I guess that wouldn't be very fair, but then again, when is Hogwarts fair? Yeah, I feel like I'm inclined to believe that there would be multiple class blocks, but yeah. Or Hermione is truly the only person in all of those classes, and they were like, well, you have a time turner, we'll just do it like this. (laughs) All right. Theo, what's next? I don't know. I think just the overwhelming anxiety that bubbled up in me from all the description. I just was like, oh, terrible memories are coming flooding back. And I don't feel like I ever had seven, I don't even know how many, I lost track of how many finals they had in a week. I mean, I think at best in college, I'd get what, like five and some of them would be take home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was also by proxy stressing me out, even though I haven't been in school for like, literally like, over 10 years and it's just like oh yep I'm like, very real vibes when yeah. Hermione had her bogger as Professor McGonagall being like you failed everything I was like I would wake up in like sweats and just be like oh god I did I did yeah uh my note on this is that I feel like Hagrid understands the importance of exams which is that there is no importance of exams and like I wrote do your job and have your students demonstrate their comprehension throughout the semester. If you're a teacher and you're listening, don't give finals. Don't. Just don't do it. It's rude. It's so bad for your students' health. It's not... I just... I read, like, a bunch of studies today about, like, the impact of, like, the stress of finals on, like, student, like, health and learning. Because I was like, I want to make sure that I'm right about this rant that I have. And I am right. So I just mm, have really bad feelings about people giving finals. It's not like it's fucking ableist. It's just bad in so many goddamn ways. And I feel like I've met so many people who are like do well learning in a like school environment, but have such bad testing anxiety that it like trips them up. And it's like, it has something to do with not knowing the material. It's just that, this specific way of evaluating how you know the, the knowledge is just so overwhelmingly stressful to people. It's like, what is the fuck? What the fuck's the point of this? You know? Yeah, and I feel like towards towards the end of my schooling career, which I you know have been in school on and off since graduating from high school, but like was in school as recently as like two or three years ago people were less and less doing finals. They were doing like equally weighted tests three times a semester or doing like projects and like end of semester projects can be just as stressful as finals if you do them wrong. But people more and more are being like, it's like equally weighted chunks that you're turning in throughout the semester so that your like last thing that you're turning in is not like more than what you've been turning in previously, even though it's like the culmination of your project for the semester and like so grateful that that professors are starting to pick up on the fact that like midterms and finals are not serving their students or their teachers for that matter i don't know if like specific to me being an art kid but i feel like a lot of my um finals in grad school were really just like we were working on one 
like focused project the entire semester. So we were building on it each week and at most it would be like, let's reflect back on where you are now compared to where you started and talk about the journey and process that a little, but like, please enjoy this talk and be happy, not sad. That's dreamy. It is. Yeah. I feel that's really great. Cause I, I, for me, the worst part about finals was that I had all of them at the same time. And so I'm like, it's like I'm not giving an equal amount of my attention to all of them. I'm like, all right, which one is the class I really need to get, like, ace this final in? And which class I'm just like, fuck it, I don't even care, you know? And it's like, if one class is like, here's a three-page paper, one class is like, here's a 12-page tw- paper, I'm like, I only have, like, a two-week period to do this. Like, you guys, what the fuck? Yeah, right. And, like, and I have ADHD, so I'm going to do all of them the, night before the day before, before they're due yep, yep. regardless yep. i'm just gonna power i'm just not gonna sleep for two days and power through it um yep. love a deadline <laughs> so glad i'm not in school anymore jesus christ yeah i mean i'm like this angry about finals and i test really well like tests are like you like give me something to memorize and i'm like sure okay did I inadvertently memorize that entire book? Yes. Like, okay, that's fine. So it's like, as long as you tell me what'll be on the test, I will get every single thing on the test right. Like if I get a 94%, that's like weird for me. But I don't keep any of that information. Like it didn't serve me. I don't look back and be like, wow, I learned so much while cramming for that test. I'm like, yup, I memorized a bunch of shit threw it up on a piece of paper, turned it in, got 100%, got my A, I don't remember anything. So it's like, what was the point? It was still really stressful, you know? Like, I was still very stressed out. It had good results for me in terms of my GPA, but not in terms of, like, the knowledge that I carry forward into my life. Right. Yeah, I'd say I was very similar in college with that. Like, art history exam, no problem. I had the best little note cards. They're all just sitting in a bag somewhere because I'm like, maybe I'll use these again someday. <laughs> no, I definitely won't. But please don't <laughs> throw this away right now. <laughs> it's the raven claw in me. I can't. <laughs> oh no. All right, Theo, do you have anything left? Nope. So we're gonna end this on our final Trelawney prediction watch because we're done with school. So I have the list of predictions that we got throughout the year, or at least the ones that we got on the first day. Mm-hmm. Neville's Gran is sick. No. Parvati, mm, nope. Parvati should beware a red-haired man. No. Flu in February. Weirdly, no. Someone will leave forever at Easter. Yes. Lavender's fear will happen on the 16th of October. Yes. And we have the Neville ones. Neville will break a cup and Neville will be late, which I argue she made true by being a bully to poor defenseless Neville. So technically, yes, but I think that's a zero sum. We are not counting it. Because it is a self-fulfilling prophecy? Yes. (laughs) It's like, I predict you're going to get kicked in the shins and then you kick them in the shins and you're like, I was right. It's like, "Mm, I don't think we can count that. Yeah. Um, And then we have Harry Will Die, which we know doesn't happen, this book. Yeah. She's not batting a super high average here. Not at all. Um, But do we give extra weight for the fact that she has her, like, 
extra real prediction? No, that one's like sort of separate. Fair. Um, obviously, like that one's gonna come true, but we were watching it. I think specifically because Witch Please was like she's always right, and so we were like, let's keep track. And the answer is she is not always right. And I feel like even some of the ones you counted as a yes, it was like someone will leave us forever. The chances of that happening probably fairly high in a, in a like a mm-hmm. school situation that could happen she, she might have like an average of one student storming off at easter as exactly. <laughs> every year. I, I, I could definitely see that would be a, an elective you would rage quit like you'd have a lot of students be like fuck all of this yeah they get back from easter break and they're just like actually i've decided that i can't fucking tolerate you anymore <laughs> yeah yeah that does make a lot of sense yeah, so I'm not I'm not impressed. Sorry, Trelawney. We'll have to keep track in the future books. But does she? I guess she doesn't say as much about her prediction. I mean, she does. She walks around doing a lot of like very literal interpretations of tarot cards in a later book. Yeah, she's like the tower, the tower, and we're like, that's not. Like, yes, <laughs> but like you're talking about a literal tower. And, like that's not how that card works. <laughs> But also terrible things happen in the tower, so, like... <laughs> exactly, right. So, yeah. I mean, this is... Yeah, she's not a great seer when she's not being overtaken by the Oracle of Delphi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you count the once every 12, 13-year prediction, she's one for one, two for two, whatever. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. What if she actually makes a lot of predictions, but it's, like, mostly when she's alone in her tower and no one is hearing them? Whoa. Right? It happens. Although with a witch NSA, would they know anyway? Oh, yeah. Dumbledore definitely has her rooms boxed in exactly. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. Let's talk about this complete miscarriage of justice that happens in this chapter. Yes. Quote, unquote, Buckbeak's appeal in which it's like, oh, by the way, we brought the executioner with us. What? Are you fucking kidding me? And like, I, re- I really appreciate Ron being like, what the fuck? Like, are you fucking kidding me moment? Because everyone, everyone is acting like, yep, we've already made up our minds. It doesn't actually even, this is literally just lip service. And it's like, oh, you guys are really corrupt. <laughs> yep. Like, not even bad enough to bring the executioner, but to bring the witness for the execution, who's like, He's a mad hippogriff. Oh, well, I don't know. It hasn't been decided, but yeah, it's decided. Yeah. I mean, even Trelawney, just with Harry's final, be like, was it beheaded? Was it writhing on the ground? Like, she was even <laughs> waiting for it. It's like, stop. I know. I felt super bad for Ron, too. He really, like, put so much of himself into, like, getting ready for this appeal and i feel like he really believed that he was going to be able to like make the thing happen and his disillusionment just like really hurt me uh there's this very popular tweet going around i saw on twitter where someone asked uh, like what radicalized you and so a bunch of people are like saying like terrible things in their childhood that it's like oh yeah that's the moment i realized that there is no justice in this world and it's like Oh, and it's like, it's really sad. Um, and I just, and so like reading this chapter, I'm like, this, this is that moment for Ron when he's like, everything I thought I knew about 
the Ministry of Magic be just and fair is a complete lie. Yep. Which seems shocking considering his dad was the ministry, but... Yeah, I actually have, like, a sort of, like, breakdown of my feelings about, like, Ron and Hermione and Harry's reaction to this. Because, like, Ron and Hermione are both outraged, and Harry's kind of just like, yep, that's how the world works. And I feel like, so, like, Ron's life pretty easy, right? His dad works at the ministry and he's like kind of maligned at the ministry, but you get the sense that like all of the Weasley kids have a sort of idea that it's like their dad's own fault that he doesn't make a lot of money because he's like super into muggles and like what a fucking weirdo. And so of course they're not great to him. And so I feel like he's not clocking that as as fucked up as maybe he will later as he gets older. And so he has no reason to like be jaded about the world yet really um and we have hermione who i think has plenty of reason to be jaded about the world but she's such an idealist that like she's still gonna sort of have this idea of like correctness and justice that's like capital s should be this way that like all of her experience isn't really gonna like drown out necessarily yeah and then we have harry who like has neither idealism nor a life that would demonstrate that anything ever goes fairly. And it's just like, yeah, shit is just fucked. Like, nothing is fair. I get, like, not enough food and broken toys and, like, clothes that don't fit me and, like, beat up by my cousin and, like, you know, sleep under the stairs and then, like, get to fucking school and this dude's trying to kill me left and right. Like, Nothing in Harry's life has put him in a position to be like, I expect the justice system to be fair and good. He's like, oh, you brought the executioner to the appeal? Sounds about right. Yeah. Which is tragic. Yeah, it's, it's like, it is super tragic. And I feel like between this book and the next is sort of when you see Hermione and Ron sort of see the kind of injustices of the witching world and like kind of lose their sort of naivete about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like, I mean, Hermione definitely is still like an idealist, but it's much more tempered than it is say in this book. I know that you meant tempered, like not as idealistic, but like, I was going to say it's like rage filled idealism. And so like, it was like a temper temper <laughs> pun that you didn't mean to make and only made in my mind. <laughs> Let's just pretend I said that and it was really great. Um, let's just go with that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely starts being more like the idealism of create the justice you want to see in the world as opposed to like, wait, this kind of injustice can't possibly be happening. I mean, it's a, it's really sad to watch, to read, and it's kind of like, that's kind of the journey we all have to go on, to be like, yeah. oh, the things that I've learned are actually real wrong. Yeah. Yep. Like, I definitely felt that deep down, like, reading all of her, like, but if, if Hagrid can keep her head, if, if it's argued properly... You know, like, they couldn't possibly. There's no way. I'm like, oh, for Hermione. Yeah. We, we can work within the system. Mm, my dear, <sighs> sweet summer child, the system is broken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thea. I mean, I kind of mostly 
that, just that whole general thing. I don't know that I have any more specifics, but, but yeah, like big props to Ron for like all of his caring and researching and so like just speaking out about the fairness, like even when Hermione corrected him, like, like don't say that so loud, like the minister's right there and your dad works for him and he was just like, but it's not fair, like, and, and you know, it's, it's good that he kind of like stepped up and, and, and said something because I feel like he wouldn't typically do that as a character. Yeah. Um, Jesse, that was your only thing? Yeah, I just have sad trombone about this whole situation and just sort of the very familiar feeling about the justice system being completely rigged and controlled by rich white dudes. So, womp womp. Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. This is really irrational, but the moment when Harry and Ron see Hermione's schedule and they're like, how could she have classes, two classes at the same time? And it's like, you live in a magical world. You're not considering time travel at this point. Like, mm. not even a little bit. And like, they're like, that's sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't know if like, I don't know. I guess I can maybe forgive Harry. Maybe he just hasn't been exposed to a lot of science fiction and like you know he's not he's very new to the magical world but like ron i'm like dude you not do, do you not know about time tra- i just it just seems kind of weird to me i'm like really Technology curse alert. um okay i have just the one editorial oh i'm so upset about how sad hagrid is and I know that we've ranted about this already, but it's just like the fact that she's so scared of Azkaban that she won't just like fucking free Buckbeak or like leave with Buckbeak is just like so upsetting to me. And like, like <laughs> my dogs are not good at meeting other dogs if my dogs are on a leash, which is pretty common leash, quote unquote, aggression, which is just like. A leash is like an umbilical cord and they think you have they have to protect you it's a thing but so like when we're like on walks in the woods and people's dogs are not on leashes and they're like you know just fucking doofy dogs and they're like i'm gonna come up and say hi even though you're like clearly really upset about my existence it gets really scary and evan and i have like had the conversation where we're like we have pit bulls and so like even if our dog's on a leash and the other dog isn't if a fight happens and like the other dog gets hurt we're gonna be the ones that get in trouble and we have like a plan for like putting the dogs in the car and getting the fuck out of the state if that happens like this is hagrid's like jesse i think in the last episode you said that buckbeak is hagrid's new dog like this is her beloved pet and the fact that her fear of going to azkaban which is like if she was sent to Azkaban for this, that would be so horrible. But, like, we can't assume that that isn't what would happen to her because this world is so fucked. And it just makes me so angry. Like, she she should be able to just free the fucking hippogriff. I just have a lot of feelings. I'm I'm really upset. No, it's, it's like, super upsetting. And, I, hey, and your instincts are correct because Hagrid is heart giant and bigotry is fucking the worst the ministry would be like uh it's your fucking fault so 
ship and you're off to ask it, which is like just it's so fucked it's so fucked mm-hmm. also i'm sorry i just fucking hate people when they're unleashed dogs just like just put your dog on a fucking leash put your dog on a fucking leash please if you are a dog owner and you're hearing this keep your dog on a fucking leash if it's not in your own fucking secure yard there's nothing makes me more angry than seeing people with the unleashed dog in public like the fuck are you doing yep it's like a relaxing walk in the woods should be a relaxing walk in the woods but it can't be when like half of my brain has to be on like is there a dog coming can i project my voice loudly enough for them to hear me when i'm like put your dog on a leash will their dog come when i tell them to do that like i can't tell you how many times i've like put my like forced my dogs behind my back and almost kicked someone else's dog in the face that was just like coming up to say hi like totally well-meaning dog and i'm like my dog will bite you go away like my dog will bite you and it like won't it's mostly jezebel like it won't even be her fault (laughs) rufio won't bite he just like doesn't have any social skills he'll just be like oh i'm saying hi to you so forcefully that you're gonna bite me because this isn't how dogs are supposed to talk to each other but i don't understand (laughs) oh my god poor precious child (laughs) anyway yeah if you learn nothing from this episode Please put your fucking dog in a leash. That's what I'm going to title it. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Alright. That was my rant about that. Theo, rant about a thing. I guess my sad rant is just that the children are in a position that they have to console Hagrid and it's just so heartbreaking. Like, Hermione taking out almost like a motherly role, like trying to keep it together and not cry when ha- when Hagrid is so visibly upset. It's just, <sighs> I can't. I know. And they're all just they're all just like, oh shit! Hagrid isn't even like sobbing. She's just like in shock. And they're like, the fuck do we do, you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes me very upset. It's such a hard scene. This is hard, emotionally difficult chapter. Like, between fucking finals week and this whole thing with Haggard and Buckbeak, it's so just like, much. oh, I hate it. I think, like, the only tiny bright light that I took from that piece was, like, they are modeling and putting back that nurturing energy that they have gotten from her oh. for so long. Because I don't... <laughs> I, I mean, it's just... So, like, that's the only part that I'll be like, but yes. Yeah, that is lovely. Not everything is trash. <laughs> uh, Jesse. I just want to talk about why there isn't fucking magical sunscreen or <laughs> regular sunscreen. Ooh, are people getting sunburned? I read too fast. Yeah, yeah. So they come back from their herbology final with sunburns on their necks. Oh my god, and why is it so fucking hot in that final? Ugh. I, mean, I guess it's a greenhouse. It just, I don't know. Open the windows. I've worked <laughs> on farms. It does not need to be that hot in there. They have windows <laughs> for a reason. Also, fans mounted. Do you burn through a greenhouse? No, you shouldn't. Windows? <laughs> mm, I don't know. I guess they might. They're probably not like UV blocking. Do witches know about UV? I don't know. No one has sunglasses, so I'm assuming not. Maybe 
I was gonna say, no, because I was gonna be like, maybe cancer is a mundane muggle illness, and so witches don't get it. But like, a sunburn sucks, regardless of whether or not it's gonna turn into skin cancer. So they should definitely have a solution for this. Yeah, but I just like the the fuck is the point of being magical if you could still get a sunscreen, <laughs> a sunburn. I feel like what the fuck is the point of being magical is like the moral of a solid third of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What what are you wasting your magic on? Fools. (laughs) I feel like, I really feel like this goes back to like the idea that one of the reasons that there's such a robust HP fandom is that there are just so many gaping holes in like the world building that everyone's just like i'm just gonna fill it in my brain and be like Mm. oh no magical sunscreen like here's a like spell that magically makes it go away that would be the logical conclusion if you had literal magic (laughs) yes theo it's your turn i I think the only other thing i have is more just how angry i am about the name committee for the disposal of dangerous creatures just no no disposing either say it like it is or you know i don't know yeah it's fucked up let's make it sound pretty and okay yeah yeah don't euphemize what you're doing to try and make it sound less horrific Mm -hmm. and again we see who makes the decision about what's dangerous so (sighs) especially you're gonna roll up with the executioner who's like suggestively touching his act it's like like come on come on you guys yeah this man is not safe to have around animals or children nope get him out of the school (laughs) nope not in the slightest welcome to the health and science section where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and or science uh i think theo can go first if he has a thing Uh, Sure. I think just circling around to the whole crystal gazing thing. How does it work? Can Trelawney see what the kids are seeing and be like, yes, you're correct or no, you're very wrong? When Ron's pulling things out of his ass and saying, this is this is what I see. Does could she fall for it? I don't know. I don't think she can see what they see. No. But I think he just, she has spent an entire year with him in her class and is like, you can't see shit in this crystal ball. Kid, I know you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ron like, didn't even have a fucking chance. No. I mean, he literally didn't because he was not born with the sight. And this I mean, class is absurd. It's true. My thought is they're just hoping to induce some kind of like heat stroke hallucination situation up in there. I mean, that is, like, how trance states often start. Mm-hmm. But again, even if that's her objective, apparently you still have to be have been born with the sight to be able to do certain kinds of divination. Some of them you can learn, and other ones you can't. Crystal gazing is not one that you can learn. Yeah, I feel like even tea leaves would have made more sense than crystal ball as a final. Yeah. Palmistry, tarot, astrology, like these are all forms of divination that like can be learned like a science where you like learn how to interpret signs. You might not be good at it, but like you at the very least have like a rudimentary understanding of how the thing works. But like, what? why would we do that in Hogwarts? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. 
You wouldn't require someone to test into a class that you have to have an innate ability to <laughs> do. That, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> why would why would why would we do anything to that, that effect? I have one thing, which is about turtles and tortoises, which Hermione is unnecessarily stressing out about about her transfiguration final. So, turtles are basically a catch-all term for like the species that has like turtles and tortoises in it and really the only difference between a turtle and a tortoise is that tortoises don't live in the water at all but like turtles can either live in the water completely like sea turtles or like be sort of aquatic or like just live on land and like the the way you can sort of right (laughs) only sort of yeah i have i have a i have a whole i'm really excited about this we're going to watch a little video together. <laughs> Wait, right now? Right this second. All right. I've been listening to You're Wrong About. They watch videos together all the time. I was like, why have we not been taking advantage of this possibility? <laughs> I'm also it's... so glad that you're into You're Wrong About because I fucking love that podcast so much. I binged all of it in like two and a half weeks. Oh my God. So many episodes. Oh my God. I have, I have this dream of someday getting Sarah Marshall on our podcast just because I think that everyone listening would immediately dehydrate to death if she and I were talking at the same time because of how fucking dry the humor would be. There was a minute she was live tweeting her reread of Harry Potter and I'm like, please come on our podcast. If any of you guys Some, know Someday. Marshall. Oh my God. She lives here, right? I should just like try and find her on the street. Hello. <laughs> I also make a podcast. Okay, don't start this until we do like a three, two, one. But right. get it pulled up. All right, I'm getting it pulled up right now. All right, all right, I'm ready. All right, three, two, one, go. Hi there. I'm here today to handle a question that is a harder question than you might realize it is, and that is, what is the difference between a turtle? and a tortoise. I think a lot of people think that they know the answer to this question, but what I have discovered recently is that very few people that think they know the answer to this question actually know the answer to this question. And and that can partially be illustrated by the fact that I have here two shelled reptiles, and they look very much alike, and they live very similarly, but only one of them is actually a tortoise. I want to start off by saying that all shelled reptiles, so any reptile with a shell like this, is a turtle. So I want to share with you a couple of things that are actually unique to this tortoise group that will actually help you determine which of these two turtles is a real tortoise, and that's their feet. If you watch these two turtles walk, and both of these turtles are very good at walking, that's why I've had to hold them the whole time, you'll know... (laughs) Go, Houdini, go, Shelly. <laughs> and that's because tortoises walk on their toes like ballerinas. They're what's called digitigrade. That means they I love animal weirdos on the internet and so actually, much. I love this man do that as well. with my and entire kind of heart. Anyway, we can probably stop watching it because... I don't want to stop. I just fucking love that he's using these turtles like little action figures. It's <laughs> <Just> like, <sighs> all right, he's YouTube, just, go just away. gesturing with these turtles. Oh, 
Uh, damn. Uh, thank you, Clint's Reptiles, for that joy, everyone. I will include the the link in the show notes so that you can watch it. He he's got a ton of them. Yeah. Oh, uh, what a joy. So that was fun. Okay, we've talked a lot about turning a living creature into an inanimate object and the upsetting fact that we definitely get proof that they retain sentience as inanimate objects. Very upsetting. What happens this time they're turning an inanimate object into an animal? Does that animal gain sentience? And if so, when or if you turn it back into its original state, does it retain the sentience? We lost Theo. Damn. Alert. So I was saying, uh, if you turn an inanimate object into an animal, does that animal have sentience? And if so, when you turn the animal back into its original state, does it retain the sentience? Okay. I feel like I've read things before where, like, objects can carry memories. So I would go with yes. Yikes. I feel like either option is horrifying. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I would much prefer that if they do gain sentience, that it's just while they're an animal. Mm-hmm. And that it because its original state was teapot, yeah. it goes back to being inanimate post having been a tortoise. Because if it still has, like, if it can still experience, like, do they, like, have nerve endings? Like, if you put, like, hot water in a teapot that's, like, a former tortoise that, like, experiences the world, does it, like, feel it? Why is Transfiguration so upsetting? That's maybe the real question here. Because they're always doing weird animal stuff with animals. Like, right, some of these tortoises have, what is it, they're breathing steam and have, like, spouts for tails? Like, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so horrible. Someone emailed us or DM'd us or something recently and was like, in Transfiguration, they should be focusing on, like, turning pollutants into plants and, like, solving problems that you, like, if you can, like, turn the fucking Atlantic garbage patch or the Pacific great Pacific garbage patch, whatever the fuck it's called into trees or whatever the fuck, like that's a useful Mm -hmm. thing to do with transfiguration. We never see anyone do anything useful with transfiguration. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Yes. But even things like, I don't know, transfiguring a like rock into your house key or like transfiguring some wax into like a sweater, like things where it's like, I don't have this thing. I can just transfigure it into another thing. Like in no world, you're going to be like, you know what I really need is a tortoise. You know what I own? The only thing I have is a fucking teapot. I think you're just going to want your teapot. Naturally. I feel like you'd have to talk to Clint about that. He would probably want a tortoise. That's true. That's fair. But not one from a teapot. He would just want a regular hatch from an egg tortoise. Yeah, truly. So I guess that maybe makes like turning like rabbits into slippers a, make a slightly more sense, but still not really, because you're not going to be in a situation when you have 
all of these animals and you need a thing that isn't related to the normal things you get you would need animals for like yeah i would just like much rather fucking make a pair of slippers out of right like a stick or a rock or like a piece of grass or like something fucking sustainable that's not gonna be like ow 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 once it's a pair of slippers because it's still aware of being a goddamn rabbit yeah this is extremely disturbing yeah i feel like i'm thinking about the other way too so like your teapot turns into a turtle teapot didn't wasn't sentient now is goes back maybe keeps that and then just spends the rest of its life as a teapot being like, oh man, but being a, a turtle was so great. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Who's got another rant? Mm, health and science, wherever we are. So the like, last like five pages of this chapter Ron is basically fighting Scabbers, who's, like, freaking the fuck out. And Ron's just like, I was put in my pocket. And I know that Scabbers is, like, sickly in this chapter, but having had a pet rat, if a rat doesn't want to be in your hands, it's going to bite the shit out of you. It's going to scratch the shit out of you, and it's going to fucking hurt. Like, rats can gnaw through metal. Like, you don't want their little jaws going into your flesh. Uh, so Ron should be, A, bleeding profusely. And B, they're, again, he, they're witches. So can they just freeze him or stun him or even, I don't know, turn him into a fucking snuff box, put him back in his pocket. <laughs> he, he's not going to be bitten by his pet rat. Here's the <laughs> one purpose for transfiguration. <laughs> oh, you learned this in your first year, Ron. <laughs> into a snuff box wow yep yeah also rats can be loud i don't know i'm just like ron what are you like literally what are any of you guys doing (laughs) i mean they're trying to get away they're under an invisibility cloak yeah i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt on this one and be like i don't know that i would react more logically in that circumstance either that's true but you might have like all of the flesh in your hands was just like shredded (laughs) which i think is what would be happening absolutely so yeah rat bites suck yeah rats can be really awesome pets but they don't want to fucking be near you like they're gonna fight you (laughs) all the fucking way yeah which i respect but also it hurts a lot yeah (laughs) so don't let it don't let it stop you from ever adopting a pet rat if you so desire So it's loud in my house now. So thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Uh, If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out our new podcast, Escape from Reality, where we read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and discuss it in a very similar manner, only it's well-written, so it's a lot less ruthless. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Theo, where can the people find you? I would say mostly on thegatelyprofit.com in the comics section. I do have an Instagram as well at Theo Julian Forrester. You can find us here podcast wherever podcasts are at. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Gaily Prophet. And we are on Tumblr at The Gaily Prophet Podcast. We also have a website where you can listen to our episodes. Also, 
buy some of our merch. Our merch is really great. We have some excellent stuff. You should uh, buy some. Um, we also are on Patreon if you feel so inclined to support this here podcast. Uh, we don't. We are ad free, and we are supported by listeners like you. You know, if you if you can't spare seven bucks a month, you should definitely tell your friends about our podcast. That helps uh, expand our reach and uh, gets more people to know about how awesome we are. Our theme song music and the music on our spoiler warning is by Kevin McLeod. The voice of our spoiler warning is by the ever incredible Sarah Sawar. And the logo art and any of the comics that you see on our website and social media are by Theo Julian Forrester. You should at the very least go to our website or Instagram to look at this awesome, the awesome comics. And until next time. Time War. Yark. Miscarriage of Justice.